Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Command Zone. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And we have a special guest in studio today. Say hello. I am Craig Blanchett. Is he special anymore? No, Craig, you're is your third appearance? Hey. Fourth? Well, actually, I, don't even, I can't even count. That makes me more special. No? <laughs> nope, <laughs> sorry, true. it makes you less special, which means that Jimmy oh, and I, my mom not special, special at all. Not special at all. <laughs> your mom does think you're special. Yeah. Uh, so today we are going to be answering user questions, and you guys did an, an incredible Holy job. Holy crap. You flooded the at uh, reply box. I thought we'd get like, I don't know, 10. Nope. We got like 70 questions. Yeah, and they still came in, and it was great. It was great, too, because- We had uh, to cut it off. Yeah, someone was like, oh, I got us in right before 8 p.m., because we had to cut off at 8 p.m. Oh, yeah, but we it was forgot at- to say Pacific Standard <laughs> Time. <laughs> yeah. You barely made it, man, only by three hours. Yeah, you made it from, I think he must have been in the Midwest. I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't wrong. He didn't make it. He definitely did make it. He uh, did make it. But yeah, I super appreciated that. I thought that was great. Yeah, so we're going to actually split this up because there's so many questions. So and they're we're all gonna- very good as well. Yeah, so we're going to split this up over uh, two episodes, because otherwise there would be mm-hmm. one limited resources set review length episode yeah which means like four and a half hours we love four and a half hour podcasts so we're gonna yeah this will be two weeks but anybody who gets their question answered will receive a prize a prize they'll receive stuff and uh so what you're gonna do is if you hear your name or your twitter handle we don't always have everybody's name Mm -hmm. then we're gonna need you to email the show at commandcast at rocketjump.com you're going to have to email us your address. Yep. Because otherwise we can't send the prize. Uh, and by we, I mean Jimmy. Jimmy does the <laughs> prizes. So I should say that. I should stop taking credit for the prizes. I do sign your name on the thing, though, when I you send do? it out. Yeah, I said Jimmy and Josh. Or nice. sometimes Josh and Jimmy. I can't decide what I like better sounding. <laughs> it, like, it, it doesn't even matter the order. I just want to hear the one that sounds cool. more aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> well, what's... It's alliteration, so it's impossible. It's to true. Like, it's I mean, it's sound good. But Garfunkel and Simon you know. does not sound as good. That's true. That's, <laughs> well, would it? We don't know. That's because, yeah. yeah. That's true. I know something that sounds good. That sounds like a booster. Oh man, that sounds like that, a booster pack. That one sounds amazing. Yeah, it's tight. That was that was great. This is a Modern Masters booster pack that I grabbed off the shelf on my way over here today, and I want to throw it into the prize pool. So at least one person will get this. 
Modern Masters booster mm. pack, which I assume has a foil goif in it. Obviously. I think that's a safe assumption. I think most of them do, right? Most right. That's <laughs> why this these cost so much, because they all have one foil goif in them. <laughs> Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is beautiful. I have opened up so much of that. Like, I've drafted that four or five times. I opened Lucky. up a box. Like, I have never gotten a goif. Not even a regular one? Not, not even a regular, regular one. one. I got one online, but not, a, not in real life. And yeah, I probably opened... Oh, I think you meant you like I... bought it on eBay. No, I was no. like, Josh, that Sorry, doesn't count. Sorry, on MTGO. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You I drafted it and I got a, a regular goif. But in real life, I probably personally cracked at least two boxes worth of boosters just mm -hmm. in drafts and stuff. Yeah. And I never got a goif either. One yeah. Dark Confidant. Oh, that's okay. pretty good though. Yeah. I mean, never got, got a bob. bob either. I never got a Bob. Wow, dude. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Well, well you should have sent in a question <laughs> and you have a chance to win this booster. Darn you, they've got it, man. Maybe I did, man. It's such a guarantee, too. It's the you command, have an alias? It's the yeah. command zone guarantee. Um, but, you know, outside of the person that receives that Lucky Modern Masters booster, we're also sending out regular boosters. We've got sets present and old. Uh, we also have some Innistrad boosters in the mix, as well as a big pile of sweet rares and random foils. And you get a bunch of those tossed in as Maybe well. Maybe you get so. a playmat. Maybe get a playmat. We still have some Funko Pop figures. Someone might receive a Commander 2014 product. We have the green deck. Oh, nice. Sitting in the box waiting to be shipped out to someone. The you can build the Titania deck. Uh, yeah. Build the Titania one. It's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. And, of course, you guys can find all this out if you follow us at CommandCast. We know that the people that are actively competing don't want to spread out the words so that you know their chances are better. <laughs> it makes sense. So, uh, it's, a mag it's the magic play. It's the right play to make. But we need you guys to help us out. So just at CommandCast, we tweet out all this stuff. We do giveaways about once a month. So. That's true. You, If you weren't following us on Twitter, you never even would have known That's right. to send in your question and you couldn't have uh, entered to win. So that mm. is a reason right there to follow us on Twitter. So it's a good reason. Yeah. At JF Wong, at Josh Lee Kwai, at CommandCast. You want to follow all three so you have a chance to win stuff. Big prizes. Big money. It's funny. We love gambling. And I... I've stopped cracking boosters for value. I gotta, I'm going to have to take that pack away from you. It looks like you're about to open it. It looks so... It's, I, <laughs> Every time so you touch close. it, I can see your eyes like light up. And I'm like, uh, I don't trust It's you all about getting the that. perfect opening. All right, <laughs> let's get on to the questions, guys. So the first one comes from Shivam Bhatt at Electrotal. Electro and one last thing before we answer questions. We have the lovely Abby Drake asking them on the microphone. So you guys are going to get some great dramatic interpretations as we go through. Plus, it'll sound a lot uh, better than yeah, our exactly. gross voices. Yeah, we're just like, uh, you guys want to talk about magic cards? <laughs> Please, Abby, save us. Yeah, save us. All right, take it away, Abby. How do you tune decks differently for 1v1 versus multiplayer? It's a great question. Easy. You go infect with 1v1, <laughs> and in multiplayer, you go regular deck. <laughs> of course you do. Craig, actually, we've talked about Craig many times on the show. He has like 40 commander decks, or at one point he did. How many of those, literally, not exaggeration, how many of those at the height of your, you know, the amount of decks you had, how many were infect? I, I think there were there were nine. 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 Wow. That's 25% of the field. Yeah. <laughs> you pulled one out the other night. You almost killed me on like turn five. I had to like yeah, totally go I off, didn't. draw I mean, 20 cards, somehow manage to block it. That's the thing it. is that, so that deck, I have had that deck for a long time and fine-tuned the crap out of that deck. And that deck 1v1 is... Like, yeah, unbelievable. Un unbeatable. Like, other than uh, Infect Rafik, which is amazing. This was uh, Infect that Mimeoplasm. Cool. And it has all, the, you know, it has all the duels. Like, it is fast. And, it's really fast. And I wasn't able to pull it off. You know, in four-player games, you can't do it. But in 1v1, yeah. you can. 
I and think Infect is a perfectly <clears throat> reasonable and viable strategy to kill someone with. One of the reasons why I did, why I am such an Infect person is because when I would play, most of the games that I have played of Magic, well, I shouldn't say this because I played a lot in the card shops when we created uh, Top Decking, but a lot of it was played 1v1 against Sam right. or Alex Kessler and or Jimmy. I mean, like, I play 1v1 a lot. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. And Infect is just like, if you're tired of losing, it's <laughs> I mean, you're going to win in 1v1. It is yeah. brutal. Um, and here's the thing, like, what in a field where people are making their generals hit you for, like, 25 dam- 26 damage, it's just something ridiculous. Like, Infect is also a viable strategy and also very affordable. I should mention. Yeah. Like those nine infect decks, I I bet you could equate the value together outside of like the staples that may cost a lot in each color. All but nine of them, if I took out the dual lands, they would they would be equivalent to like one of my other decks. Yeah. So one v one infect is a great strategy. Uh, I think in general, just one v one's a lot faster and yeah. multiplayer's a lot slower. So if you're building your deck specifically for one v one, you can't put stuff that you would normally put in a big multiplayer deck like yeah. insurrection is garbage in a 1v1 oh, yeah. deck and I, not just because it's only stealing uh, creatures from one player it's also just because it costs so much mana and you're less likely to get there 1v1 just gets more similar to legacy or modern or standard even than uh than a multiplayer deck which is gonna yeah you just have I a lot more price tag goes a lot way up more. 1v1 as well because a lot of the faster cards are the cards that are used in other formats right. and therefore they are more like they're more in demand because if it's only a commander card then the demand is a lot lower than if that card's also used in modern and legacy and now all of a sudden there's just so many more players that want that card that it just pushes the price up yeah a card like snapcaster mage or uh, stoneforge mystic are all sort of that tier of card that are both playable are very playable in both formats especially in commander yeah so So 1v1 typically low command cost generals things of that nature where you're yeah i think i think if you really want to tune for 1v1 then you know somebody like alicia the new legendary creature Mm -hmm. who only costs three and brings you know bounces back uh, or brings back two power stuff from your graveyard is great yeah maybe not as good in a big multiplayer game just because her board impact is smaller it's just that you're trading the amount of impact for the time at which that impact comes so yeah i really think 1v1 you just want to be way faster yep keep your uh cat commander under four mana Stuff like uh, Swords to Plowshare is way better in 1v1, yeah, too. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Good point. Because we've talked about this a lot of times, too, whereas if you're playing with five people and you Swords to Plowshare something, well, you and that person both lost a card. You lost Swords to Plowshares. They lost whatever, cre- whatever creature you hit with it. Yeah. But then the other two or three people didn't lose anything. So they're just... Uh, they're just Hanging out. <laughs> they're just above you guys now. They're just having an advantage on you. Yeah. And if you do that a few times then all of a sudden you can be in a big hole to everybody else just because you've wasted cards on one-for-ones. Yeah, and the, the interesting balance here is that you need you still need those cards, right? Like, you're not, you're not going to run a deck that plays white and not have at least Swords or Path in there, right? Like, right. there's no reason not to. So but in a 1v1 deck, you might have Both. even more of that right. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and it's and- interesting. I think tuning for multiplayer, you do need to also make sure that you have cards that can deal with one-on-one threats because oftentimes having removal for a specific kind of thing is incredibly important if you're trying to stretch the field. But in multiplayer, you might not need both swords and path and, you know, terror and murder. And, you know, you'd switch out a couple of those and put in Wrath of God and Damnation and Toxic Deluge because... Those are basically stuff that could kill one creature, but more often than not, you're just going to want to kill, you know, 12 creatures at once. So, yeah. 
And those are the cards that we usually talk on the show that are sort of the like the staples, like yeah. Cyclonic Rift, like stuff that just affects everything. Although I would say that card is actually great for one v one and multiplayer. Yeah, because it, it has a mo- it's a modal card basically. Yeah, uh, where it says, well, you can just unsummon one thing, or you can sum- unsummon all their things if it's later on in the yeah. game. Yeah. Great question. Shavam right. actually has a second question. All right, but you only get one prize, Shavam. <laughs> yeah, you don't get two prizes for questions, everybody. For two questions, sorry. you get two high fives from us. <laughs> you do for two questions. Okay, each question comes with a high five. If you get two in there, sh- two high. Fives. I should note that Shavam uh, is actually plays at the LGS that the professor from Tolarian uh, oh, Community really? College plays at. Yeah, he oh, tweeted awesome. us about that. So they're they're evidently well uh, acquainted, acquainted with each yeah, other. Nice. Yes. Yeah. All right. Anyway, without further ado, Shavam's second question: What's the best way to get card draw in white and red? These are the two worst uh, colors for card draw. Font of Mythos and <laughs> Howling uh, Mine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say go to Artifacts for the very first. Mind's yeah, Eye. Always go for Artifacts at first and then see what your Mind's Eye is really good. I do like what you said, Craig, though, because uh, a lot of people shy away from things like Font of Mythos and Howling mm-hmm. Mine. Both those, if you don't know what they are, Font of Mythos makes everybody draw two extra cards every turn. Not just you, but everybody. Howling Mine likes, makes everybody draw one extra card per turn. Mm-hmm. So... People don't shy away for those because they think, oh, I don't want everybody to draw cards. Only I want to draw cards. But yeah. if you're in a color or a combination of colors that's bad at card drawing, then it's actually better for everybody to draw more cards than it is for you to not draw extra cards at all. Because yeah. trust me, their decks are already have Consecrated Sphinx and crap like that that's going to draw them like 27 cards. <laughs> so two extra cards to them is not as big a deal as it is to you. Yeah, you really need it, especially if you're going to go mono in those colors. Yeah. Even. Um, Mentor for the Meek yeah, is Mentor a good one. Is great uh, one. Chandra, Pyromaster, basically draws you an extra card. The new right. uh, Siege, Outpost, Outpost Siege, Siege. Which is seeing red. a lot of play in Standard yeah. as well. Because it's great. just red card draw. You don't mm-hmm. have that. Um, I would even say you can go riskier with red because red always punishes you for card draw, but it definitely has card draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wheel of Fortune is the Wheel classic of awesome. red, red card draw card. Yeah, It's another card that people shy away from because they're like, I don't want to discard my hand. It's like sometimes in Commander, you do want to discard your hand. Or and your hand has two moment. cards yeah. and you'll draw seven. You know, yeah. Wheel of Fortune says discard your. Everybody discards their hand and draws seven new cards. Yeah. So it does a lot of things. One is if you're down to two cards, it just actually drew you five cards, even yeah. if you like the two cards in your hand. The other thing is that dude that has consecrated Sphinx and has twenty seven cards in his hand, he discards twenty seven cards and draws only seven. Yeah. So it evens the play of playing field in that way. So that's yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah. And there's also I would even say Humble Defector from Fate Reforged. Oh like, yeah. Play around with that. I if you like correctly put that on the table and talk to people like this is what's going to happen and you know like maybe i'll share it with other people but like you can like give it to other people it's like i'm just going to use it and i'm going to use it i'll give a it deal, to you maybe, maybe yeah. you'll give you it, back, give to it back to me yeah. that'd be great you know and then we're just drawing cards and those screw those other guys yeah and you have a sack outlet anyway so it's like i don't even need to give it to you technically but i will you know like let it resolve or whatever so there's lots of fun stuff you can do there uh land tax is another one i would say oh from from white if people don't think of that as card draw because it only draws you specifically lands mm-hmm. But lands are cards. Yep. You know, so and it's it a very, very powerful. deck and guarantee you that you have mana now. Yeah. Yeah. And that card also, de- you get a lot of your deck then. It's actually significant because yeah. you're getting three each time that thing triggers. It's pretty nuts. All right. Next question. Uh, this is from Matt Book, at Matt Book on Twitter. He says, when constructing a new deck, do you build it for 1v1, multiplayer, or both? Depends on who you're playing with. Craig, you've probably built more new decks than Jimmy and I combined since you, yes. uh, you had about a million. Um, 
I'm at six. I have built them for both. So I started out building a multiplayer because I started out playing at a card shop. Started talking to the guy about what I had, and he was like, oh, dude, you should play EDH. So I put together a deck, brought it in. Of course, I had put in a bunch of stuff that was illegal because um, there was a ban <laughs> at list at that point. You're just like, this, this Titan thing. Primeval <laughs> Titan was not banned at that point. It was Innistrad. Innistrad block was when I got back in. But what would you so, say to somebody if they were starting tomorrow? I what would, would you be your advice? I would say, you know, first of all, consider if you're playing just you and your brother, then one v one. But if you're if you're able to play with a bunch of people, build it multiplayer because one v one games get stale real fast. You know, it's it, as soon as you know the commander, you know exactly how to take care of it, and one person is typically going to win all the time. Yeah, um, I, I like the thing about stale because one v one definitely gets stale. I build yeah. almost all my decks with the idea of multiplayer, and yeah. then I'll make some concessions to be like, well, this one I will keep in this sort of one v ones. Yeah, like I have like three decks that I'm like, I'll if it's one v one, these are the one I'll play one of these three decks. But neither of them is like this is a one v one deck. It's just yeah. these are the ones that I, I sort of made a few more concessions so that it could play one v one. Exactly. And I've, I've actually since split my decks up into uh, three or less players and, uh, and bigger games, mm-hmm. four mm-hmm. or more players. And there are definitely decks that do better in three or less or four or more. All right. Our next question comes from Nick Canner and his Twitter symbol, guys, at Nick Canner. Nice, dude. Keeping it simple. <clears throat> hey, I don't like make it. fun of people who just use their name. Yeah. Dude, I'm JF Wong. <laughs> I'm Craig Blan- at Craig Blanchett. Oh, right. we didn't shout out Craig <laughs> at the beginning of the show. Follow yeah. Craig at Craig Blanchett. He'll exactly. uh, he'll tweet at you like once a month. But yeah. I, it'll Maybe. be a nice Maybe. retweet that will have no. That's edits. true. Actually, if you follow Craig, he is a retweet machine. Yeah. How about that? How yeah. about that? He's and there I for like you. Stuff. Yeah. There we go. You're an important part of the economy, Craig. Don't Thank downplay you. yourself. Thank you. All right. So Nick Canner asks. When building decks that are vulnerable to types of hate, such as graveyard or artifact strategies, what precautions do you take? So there are a lot of cards out there that I like to use, but the problem is is that these cards, there aren't that many of them. I think the best is like, let's say your deck is heavily dependent on enchantments. You're going to want Replenish in there because it's like a, it's a save all that even if you only lost two enchantments, but they might have been important, it's nice you can get two back. If you lost everything because people have been Nev's disking left and right, getting them all back is almost assuredly like you're going to win in a single turn. So having cards that obviously get your stuff back is great but when people are getting rid of your graveyard what do you do craig when people get rid of your graveyard that's really tough i mean there's uh i think there's one thing that i could recommend here that uh that i used to put in my decks that worked really well and but it only works if you can kind of sneak it in or if it's late in the game and that's an eldorazi that makes you shuffle your graveyard into your library and a sack outlet um, so you can do that in response. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so you can do yeah. that in response. Um, Elixir of Immortality does it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, there's a few cards that do or it. Or if you're running black, then you can, you know, run uh, Entomb. Yeah, oh. you throw Entomb in there, and, you know, you can Entomb the Eldorazi for one black. Oh, so that it can be anywhere in your deck. Exactly. Oh, wow. Because yeah, the Entomb goes and finds it in your deck and puts it in your library. As, a, as, as an instant, too. Yeah. So. Um, I think, though, the that's it's interesting, but the problem with a deck that doesn't want graveyard hate yeah. Wants stuff in its graveyard specifically. So that doesn't really solve your problem because they're usually just as happy if you do that. Because if you're playing Sadisi yeah. or something, you know, like BDM Sadisi deck, and they go to wipe out your graveyard and you shuffle your graveyard into your deck, they're like, 
same thing because you just don't have a graveyard. So you can't right. do all that recursion like shenanigans that you were going to do. So graveyard is really tough. Um, he's just asking about general hate though. So like if you're building an artifact deck, like your Memnarch deck, yeah, and someone that is what do Vandal Blast. You, you know that like Shatterstorm, Vandal Blast, all these things are a problem. What do you do to mitigate like the weakness of the deck, whatever it may be? Because you mentioned yeah. artif- uh, enchantments. Enchantment I may have like a token deck and I know that I'm you know, really weak to board wipes. And we talk about this all the time, which yeah. is like, if you know that, first step is identifying what your big weakness is. And then the second step is figuring out how to deal with it. So I'm lucky with Memnarch because it's mono blue and I can throw in counter spells. I mean, that right. is my answer in Memnarch. I, uh-huh. I'm lucky enough to be able to throw in counter spells. But mm. you're lucky enough. Wow, you know, but in statement. mono in it's mono true. in mono red, there's nothing you can really do to you know prevent against uh, you uh, know artifact. I don't hate. know if you've ever heard of this card called Pyroblast. It's a great counter spell. Oh wait, <laughs> just blue spells. It only counters blue spells. <laughs> I, I think like the important thing is you identify what that weakness is. Yeah, and then you go find the cards that shore up that weakness, and you need a certain amount of them. And you know what that ratio is, how many you need is really going to depend on your play group or yeah. you know what you know is out there. But in general, if it's a token deck, I want five, six, maybe seven cards that either give all my stuff indestructible or get, make it all regenerate mm-hmm. or in some way protect it from a board wipe because I know that's just going to be a problem that I'm going to have. Or, I mean, if if you know that it's going to get messed with and thrown in your graveyard, graveyard hate is tough, but if you know stuff's going to get thrown in your graveyard, which most stuff is over the game, having some way to get stuff back from your graveyard is always a good strategy. Yeah, because um, it's true, because like if you have stuff thrown in there early and the, the deck you're playing has graveyard hate, maybe they just haven't drawn it yet. So if you're able to get it back before, if you can act before they can find the card that doesn't, then you are safe in a way. Yeah, I think also like that's a good thing to say is if your deck is really built on like one or two key cards, yeah, then that's a weakness of your deck. Just like an artifacts deck's weakness is it has a lot of artifacts. An enchantment deck is it has a lot of enchantments. And so a deck may have a weakness of like, yeah, I need one of these two cards on the table for my deck to function. And so a, a, a way to sort of shore up that weakness is to have a way to always get those cards back. You might play a couple cards that get things out of exile. Uh, even those are, those are pretty narrow, but it just may be like, if I if this one card gets exiled, I'm screwed. So I just need to always have access to some way to get it wherever it is. So I'm, mm-hmm. I need a way to get it out of the graveyard. I need a way to get it out of my deck. And I need a way to give it out, get it out of exile. But those are specific cards. You know, some decks are just built on a strategy and that's like tokens. And then you need to sort of just identify that weakness yeah. and then put, you know, you're going to have to play with that number. Yeah. But it, my my guess is it's somewhere around five to seven cards that protect you from that one big glaring weakness. Yep. And it's also like you can also play in a certain way that is more conservative if you're in the multiplayer game and you know that someone is really packing graveyard hate. You can play in a way that doesn't abuse your graveyard to the point where someone is forced to act. Yeah, it's because someone has a lot of other priorities on the table. Like the guy next to him could just be hammering at him with Sigarda and he doesn't care about your graveyard. He's not going to play that graveyard spell over something that could save his life. So... Play in a way that also doesn't get you killed by the kind of hate that would really hurt your day, if that makes sense. Our next question comes from Tower Huffham, Huffham, and he is at Tower Huffham on Twitter. If you had to add one card to the ban list, what would it be and why? I have one, but... I have one too, but I just don't know. I, if I it's don't want to say it. I don't want to say it either because I play it in every I love time. It. Yeah, I, can't, right. I can't. I can't. How, did, how dare you ask us this, Tower? Because I feel like if I say it out loud, 
yeah. then I'm putting it out to the universe that it should be banned, and then it's going to get banned, and then I'm not going to be able to play it, and then I'm going to be so mad no, at myself. No, because people be can crying. take care of it with a swords to plowshares or a That's kill true. spell. I, I wonder if all... we have the same card. Probably I, yeah, not. I'm thinking of a. I'm thinking of. You there's got one? three possibilities in my head, and one of them is out of the box, but another one that's in the box, I think you guys Wait, probably would say. Let's all count down from three and we'll all okay. say it at once. That's a great idea. Okay. All right, so it's with three, two, one, say it. Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one. Sarah We uh, did have the same one. Sarah Ascendant. Oh, Sarah uh, That was my second choice. That was my yeah. out of the box choice. Yeah, Sarah Prophet Ascendant. of Crufix is unbelievable. Is that too. what you said? Yeah, I said Prophet of Crufix. I was like, two people said yeah. Prophet. I thought yeah. it was me and Craig, but I got confused. Nope. nope. Sarah, Sarah Ascendant is yours. Yeah, well, that was my, yeah. Craig, why don't you go through your reasoning first and then... Uh, so, Sarah Ascendant, turn one, somebody gets it out. It is brutal. I mean, it, it, in a one-on-one yeah. game, it is a dis, like it is a decider. In Even in a three-player game. Even oh, yeah. in a three-player game. Even because player now game, you're jacking your, you know, your uh, life up to 46 and then 52 and then 58. Yeah. And, Pretty intense. you know, and they're dropping, you know, six or seven at a time. And, you know, by the time, you know, you get your strategy off, maybe you give a double strike or something like that. Then it just starts getting insane. Um, I don't know. I just it, it, Sarah Ascendant has yeah. won me a lot of games very, very quickly. That's really and it's really not super fun when that happens either for e- for mm-hmm. anybody. Right. You know, it's just like it feels totally unfair. Like you have the Sarah Ascendant. It's like. I mean, what card can they have that's not like if they don't have a instant speed? Some removal, sort of kill spell. Yeah, or what if instant they're, speed yeah, removal, what they're playing yeah. red and they're like, uh, I can't lightning bolt that thing. Can't bolt it. Yeah, I can't whatever else. And I'm just like, okay, I play my second land. Go. The cards inherit I play my design. Third land, I play a mana yeah. rock, and I'm, I'm at eight, you know, yeah. I'm at uh, sixteen life, and you're at. That's the problem too. Is the life link is a huge thing because yeah, the because hole is putting so deep. it further into yeah. the. I'm sorry, it's always going to be a six six territory. Yeah, and it was designed in an era where it, it's one of those cards that you know, like that card was not made. Yeah, for commander. before commander was oh, like here. But you know my I mean? goodness, when you get it after you're below thirty life, oh, it is such sad. a disappointing like <laughs> little little man girl whatever it is. He's oh, like trying man. to lift off, but it's like yeah. I can't do it. Trying to I'm ascend. Still on the ground. I can't ascend. I can't ascend. <laughs> I can't do. I still got life link though. I'm getting you one (laughs) one life every time. Oh man, that was good. All right, all right. Um, Let's talk about the profit. You talk about it because I love that card. I do too. And every time I played it and it hasn't been killed in one turn round has won me the game. It's like I'd say like 90% of the time when I get the profit out. Because I'm playing it when I want to make sure that I can have it out for that one turn. When you've got card draw. Yeah. Like the People, fact that it allows you to cast things at instant speed yes. to protect it is nuts. So many cards can do that with it. It's crazy. It gives you basically unlimited mana. Ugh. And it gives you... And so you can play all your cards. So the tempo, sw- tempo swing is so ridiculous. If you mm-hmm. have any card draw and you put the profit down, then you can keep your hand full. Yeah. And you can simultaneously play all the stuff. Yeah, card yeah. draw and the profit is that's like the the happiest you can get playing EDH. Yeah. You're just like, <laughs> yes, yes, yes everything is blue. possible now. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it is. This it's card amazing. In Edric, she's like, Mary Poppins. That's yeah. how dangerous it is. Yeah, um, it's true. It demands removal, and it demands it in a way that is kind of brutal. Because let's say I play the profit, I say pass. Now I have all certain. my land you available. Got, now now. You're, all your lands are available, and I have them all too. And I'm like, great, come at me, bro. And you're like, yeah. you cast something I'm like, Restoration Angel, I'm going to bounce it. But like things that essentially, like you can rescue could, it with you, creatures. Yeah, you, you can, can rescue it. it. Yeah, you can do anything you wanted with it because you can cast all these creatures at flash speed, and it's insane. 
or not to mention just having your mana available and you're in blue we know yeah. because you got the profit so that just means like you can counter spell you could there's just yeah it's it's so tough i mean yeah. a lot of times even if they do end up killing it like you've got you got four turn you know you got four other people's turns you just think of how much mana let's say we all have seven man out i play the profit and then i say go and then the next three players go well everybody else got to use their seven mana yeah, I got yeah. to use 28 mana in that time. Yeah. So how many turns ahead am I? Like, it's it's the equivalent of taking extra turns. I mean, you don't get the card draw and the combat phases, but you get the tempo of, like, four extra mm-hmm. turns. You know, that's why I think she's, yeah, she's pretty broken. Uh, it's like you're playing a brutal AI. It's like the computer turns on hard, hard mode. Where yeah. It's like, guess what? He's taking turns every time you're taking a turn. Yeah. He just cr- can't attack you. It's like, whoa, that is pretty insane. And so I think... That's and that's not even talking about the untapping your creatures part of it, yeah. which is totally abusable. I build a whole deck around that, which is like if you have activated abilities on your creatures, and all of a sudden, instead of using rune only once, oh, gosh. you can use rune everybody else's turn. Plus, it gives you the mana to use rune. Like that's it can get into insane territory like so quickly. Yeah, yeah. I just want to make a special mention to mana rocks such as. Uh, Mana Crypt, uh, Mana Crypt uh, yeah. you know, um, Soul Ring, <laughs> which will never be banned, but is just like so unbelievably powerful. If you if you don't have a Soul Ring in every deck, what you, are you doing? What are you life? doing? You're Wizards package wrong. them with each deck for a reason. <laughs> uh, it's true, actually. Soul Ring is banned in some one v one formats because it's like it's like if you get Sarah Sendin out, it's just a one drop that is too powerful and accelerates you too quickly and in a way that is potentially game ending. And it's so much like, think about when, if you but had to you, track win percentages, if you drop the Soaring on turn one, if you would just win more in general, it would definitely be a yes. Well, I think uh, it's pretty common in 1v1 for people to go to their deck when they're about to play 1v1 and just take the Soul Rings out because yeah. it becomes such a coin flip. The guy that, or a girl that gets the Soul Ring out on turn one is just such an overwhelming advantage. Yeah. In, in a 1v1 match that, you know, a lot of people do do that. Uh, I know, which is like, if you're playing 1v1, you just go and take the soul rings out because yeah. you don't want the game to be decided on. Like, did I draw that? Yeah, you're two turns ahead. Yeah, yeah for exactly. one mana. It's, it's literally by, considered by many the most powerful magic card of all time, uh, yeah. even above things like Black Lotus. We're still talking about the uh, Prop of the Crucifix, right? No, soul ring. <laughs> I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, the oh, next wow. Tower question. Huffam was pretty uh, prolific with the questions. We got yes. a few more from him or so her. So more high fives to you, Tower. By the way, cool name, man girl i have no idea tower would be a sweet name for a boy or a girl yeah okay (laughs) on to the next question abby take it away when is the best time to break off an alliance uh when it benefits you the most well you have to be careful though (laughs) you you can't always do that because you know one thing i think people don't realize our buddy matt arnold is kind of like this is there's this really big meta game Mm -hmm. that goes on so there's the meta game of your play group which basically the metagame of your playgroup is the memory that your playgroup has of all the past games that it's ever played. And then there's actually the metagame above that, which is all the past games, not just of EDH, but of every other game that you've played with yeah. the same people, like yeah. League of Legends or Monopoly. You know, Monopoly, yeah. Or, you know, Risk, Ascension, Dominion, <laughs> Risk, yeah, all that stuff. And so if somebody backstabs you in that huge metagame, like in any of it, you remember it forever. Like, you don't forget that. So I will to... never trust Eli, the editor of this, ever again because of a, 
<laughs> yeah. because of a game that I played with him. Of resistance, yeah. Of resistance, right. I would like that man. I, that man is a lovely man, but I cannot trust him. Yeah, the way that he lied, we won't go into specifics, <laughs> yeah. in that particular game in one into those means gray. that you will never 100% trust him. I wasn't even there, and that still affects me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's... It's, it's, the, it's the stuff of that legends are made of. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... So that's something people need to understand is that's how meta games work. And so when you make an alliance with somebody in the game, you have to be very careful not to... When you break that alliance... Not to make it so they won't ally with you ever again in the subsequent yeah. games that you're going to play years from now. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you got to justify when you break up alliances. It's really interesting because in a way it's like, hey, remember that friendship we had? We're terminating it. <laughs> See, I am the worst at this. And yeah. I think in our playgroup, Josh is the best at this. And Jim, you lie somewhere in the middle. No, uh, well, he, I'm at the I front end of your version of it absolutely all the time. Absolutely the worst at <laughs> it's this. It's the worst. Because... I don't care what happens. I just want to see my deck play off. Well, you, you know? don't make a lot of alliances to begin with. Yeah. And it might be I don't. because people know that about you. Like, Craig's the master of going to roll the dice and then hit you. Yeah, and then roll if the it's dice. The infect deck, infect, yeah. Then you're the target for him from then on. And there's not a lot of negotiating you can do. <laughs> Which yeah, because fine because he's forced into it, right? Yeah, he's it's like, forced into so, it, and and, you're and here's another thing, you know, right when you're started. playing multiplayer, there is something to be said, and I think the games, uh, well, the games that we're talking about weren't secret partners, but especially in secret partners, you have to kind of do the the latch on dog effect, where as soon as you like <laughs> bite down on the juggler, you, you have can't to let go. You have that's to infect, hold on. Though. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's infect. Oh, that's definitely infect. That's yeah. also just Craig, I guess. Yeah. I don't think that's the case with most of the other. Like a lot of decks, you can spread your damage around. You can make yeah. it, you know, Jimmy manages to attack a lot of people and everybody doesn't get but mad. But with a few a few generals like uh, my like my Rafik deck or, you know, with Gisela or something like that where you're you right. know, typically hitting somebody like twice and then they're dead. Um, yeah, it doesn't you know, make I'd, sense to spread the wealth Right, around. you yeah. know, you yeah. do have to do but, the latch on. I mean, going back to the question, I think like the important, actually one of the important parts that people forget about this is the moment when you make the alliance. Right. You know, that's what I do is you make the alliance. And when you make the alliance, you lay down a rough groundwork for what the term of that alliance is going oh, to see, be. See, yeah. I, tr I try to forget that moment as quickly as possible, which <laughs> may be why I... Yeah, and, but but I mean, you do things like you're like, hey, we got to kill that thing, right? Yeah, yeah and then as yeah. soon as that thing's dead, then then we'll go back to normal. The royal we, you know, we're yeah. not really talking. You know, just like, hey, look, we both see what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. we need to kill that thing. And as soon as that thing's dead, then everything can go back to the, how it is now. I often find that the best alliance is one that is made with more than one person. Mm -hmm. Because now your mob mentality, now it's your, you may be going against someone else and that hapless person, unfortunately, is going to receive the brute end of it. And we've actually answered the question about when this becomes like a bullying tactic. Right. And this happens too much. But in general, I mean, that's the great part about Commander. I tend to try and forget and forgive and just, you know, go into each round somewhat new, unless it's Craig. And I always have a, I always have an eye open when I sleep with you, Craig. There's also some, there's one thing that happened in a game with me and Jim, which makes him never trust me ever. Yeah. Just a lot of mill. <laughs> yeah. Mill. Yep. What a great and way to lose is, the game of Magic the, the Gathering. Meta. That's the meta you have to be careful about because yeah. you didn't even break any promises that you'd made when you milled them out. We've talked about this mm -hmm. on the show long ago, but. Craig milled Jimmy to death, not once, but twice, twice in the same night in two separate games. And the second time was what put it into the realm of like, okay, Jimmy's, I will never forget yeah, this guy. Yeah. Jimmy yeah. will never forget that. <laughs> and they'll always be there in the back of his mind. Meta is a big thing. It's a big part of making alliances. I also think yeah. people fail at this part a lot, and it's a really easy thing to do, is just 
when you are breaking the alliance, give them something. Yeah. yeah. If you give nothing, they'll hate you forever. I mean, quote unquote, hate you. You know, it's, yeah. it's a game, but they'll, they'll remember it forever. But if you say, and listen, they- we had an alliance, dude, but I mean, look at your board. You're going to destroy us if I don't do something. I'm sorry. I have to do it. Just an I'm yeah. sorry. Just that I'm sorry will yeah. get you out of that doghouse that it, they'll be a little bit mad at you, but they won't remember it for, you know, two weeks from now or two months from now or two years Fair from enough. now. Yeah. Yeah. Just give them something that costs you nothing. It's also fun to take an alliance with someone and then make another alliance with someone else against the original person yeah. you allied with. <laughs> See, yeah. and I, but you can pull all that stuff off yep. if you just frame it. I would even recommend allying with the same people you usually ally with. Yeah, that and, can yeah, that can help. that's a meta Figure play out who's too. Good. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. That's a meta play too. You have a sort of general agreement. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we allied last time. It worked out pretty well. I know I can trust you. You know I can. You can trust me. Yeah. You know that's what being trustworthy, quote unquote, what. That's what it does for you. And again, these are this is all based on meta. Yeah. You know. And and one final thing, and this is just like general advice in games, like people break alliances and it's about what's promised that really matters. Because here's the thing, everyone's yes. gonna try to win at some point. So it's gonna get broken. You're gonna get have have a promise broken or whatever. But <laughs> as long as you're just not either being evil about it, it's like it's a part of the game. So don't take it too seriously, guys. That was a really good question. Yeah. Uh, and this last question, again, Tower, you get three high fives. It's a really easy question to answer. Uh, and Abby, take it away. I'm new to Commander and have never truly played. Is an official prepackaged deck good enough, or should I try to build one? I'd say buy a prepackaged deck if you're new to Commander and you've Definitely. never played. Because Definitely. it's got everything you need to just literally play out the box. And from there, tuning a pre-built deck is much easier than building one from scratch when you don't know anything about the game. Yeah, that's the biggest point right there, is it's just so daunting to just build one from from nothing. Yeah, 99 it's cards. so much better to just start with something. Even if your idea is like, I'm eventually change every single card in here, at least you're starting with something. And now you don't mm-hmm. have to go find 99 cards. You go find two, take out two, put two in. And then over the course of a couple of weeks, you take out two more, take out five more, take out six yeah. more. And before you know it, the whole deck's different, but you got to play it that whole time. And it didn't feel like, oh my gosh, I just have to build the whole thing right now. Yeah, exactly. So, great question. Thank you, Tower, for your trace questions. All right. Hey, I recognize on. this guy. This yes. guy always, he's, he always is putting in some questions for us. Uh, yes, at Jack Urbanis. So we're keeping the trend up of, uh, of, uh, of logical, straightforward Twitter names. Um, also, we should mention that Jack gets an honorable mention today because he created commander card versions of Josh and myself. <laughs> They're awesome. And they are awesome. Um, I'm going to read mine. It's Jimmy the Red. I cost five straight red mana symbols to cost. Red, 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 red. red. Uh, I'm a 4-3 legendary creature human actor, which is hilarious. Uh, I have haste. All red cards cost two colorless less. All non-red cards cost two colorless more. When Jimmy the Red enters the battlefield, search your library for a card, then discard a card from your hand at random. So you've got gamble on a stick. Yeah. All non-red cards cost two more. I'm a double ruby medallion, and I'm a hate bear. How does Jack know you so well? Yeah, it's amazing. And my flavor text, the only path is that of swiftness and chaos. (laughs) Pretty amazing. Uh, Okay, I'll read my card. (laughs) I am Josh of many colors. I cost Wooberg. Nice, just like Chromat. I'm a legendary creature human podcaster, 6-6. When Josh of many colors enters the battlefield, search your library for a legendary creature, then reveal that card and put that card into your hand. When Josh of Many Colors leaves the battlefield, destroy all creatures unless they have Wooberg in their mana cost. <laughs> then my flavor text is, I need all the colors. 
<laughs> I love that flavor text. Jack. Yeah, you, you got us. You, you nailed, nailed us, it. Man. Yeah, nailed I love us. the fact that Josh can play Chromat in this deck, yeah. and he doesn't die when you leave the battlefield. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It's uh, great. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, Josh, for that. We uh, much appreciate it. Well, thank you, Jack. Oh, Jack. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Josh, for being of many colors, and thank you, Jack, for the cards. All right. Let's hear Jack's first question. What is your least favorite commander to see across the table? Oh boy. Uh, I cigar. There really is tough to see. That's your deck, isn't it, Craig? I I yeah, hate seeing Memnarch. Well. I mean, honestly, that's your own. That's deck. also your own. Yeah. He chose his own deck. And, and Craig, I built Craig it Memnarch, because I saw closed. somebody else build this deck <laughs> so unbelievably mean. And it's one of those things in Commander where you put something out and then somebody steals it. You're like, oh no! Like as yeah, soon as people start stealing your stuff, it's it's not the only thing about Menmark too. He can steal anything of yours. Like, exactly, yeah, that's the brutal part. And it's not even that it's not any fun. It's just like not any fun anymore. It's just like you know they start taking just everything. Put a homeward path, and you're and you're good. Yep. Yeah, and then they steal that. <laughs> that's a good point. Know, yeah, like, that's a really good point. <laughs> um, Narset, I think, is the most broken commander right now. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. She's just ridiculous. So I don't want to see that. And then. I'm going to say Talrand, which is also Craig's deck. So between the three of us, we all said three of Craig's deck. That should make you feel good. Uh, Talrand is yeah. just... Well, I mean, he's made 40 decks. There's a good chance he's hit upon some of That's the hated, hated commanders. That's true. Right? I've also built the ones that I think would be like the fastest best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. true. You, you, you have you, mean decks, but you guys yeah, have like that F1 super racer. mean play group. Yeah. It's good. It's good. I, I don't mind playing. But I don't think, I don't think I've ever built a deck other than like Gabe that I was like, oh, this is going to be really cheeky. I've always been like, all right, what's the like cutthroatiest yeah. way? Quickest yeah. way to yeah. kill everyone. Yes. Well, That's Craig's why you a true have 10 winner. infect decks. I'm not, though. <laughs> I lose so much. <laughs> yeah, but it's great because when you win, you win. Uh, it's true. Uh, yeah, I'd say, yeah, I guess my other least favorite commander would be Tauron because I've played that deck many times now. And every time it's like, you know what? I I bet I could, and no, you can't. It's just disheartening because you just it go is. to do stuff, and he just stops. He's like, no, counter that. No, yeah. counter that. No, counter that. No, counter And when he does counter that, hits you with the two, two fire. I think that's the point, is that both of them are mono-blue generals. Yeah. You know, they both have tons of counter spells and yeah. tons of ways yeah. to be like, no, you don't untap your lands because only, you know, yeah. basic lands untap now. So and it just becomes not that fun to play exactly. against. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Jack's got a few here also. He's going to get a lot of high fives. All right. Next question from Jack. What are your favorite pet cards? We did a whole podcast about this. It was called Overperformers. Uh, Wedge from the Mana Source came on, and we did a list of our favorite overperformers. But mm-hmm. I actually have a new one. Ah, Glacial Chasm. Oh God, this card, it first, Josh. This <laughs> wonderful. Jimmy, oh, God. Uh, well, it just—it was amazing what it did on the board state. I was—I was stunned by that card when it hit because I was like. This wow. is the card we were talking about where uh, Craig rolled his dice with his Infect deck and he decided to come after me, which meant mm-hmm. I was basically dead by turn five. And on the turn, I had six poison counters and he had on board an unblockable Infect dude and I was dead and I had to find an answer in my deck and I really don't have a lot. And I managed to go off with Titania, draw like 20 cards and I found this card. Glacial Chasm is a land. It has cumulative upkeep of pay to life. Cumulative upkeep, if you'll recall, is upkeep that continues to grow. So if it's two life, then on the next upkeep, it's four life. Then on the next upkeep, it's six life. So it grows by two life every turn. It but says when you're when, facing imminent death, don't matter. Yeah, it says when Glacial Chasm enters the battlefield, sacrifice a land. 
also a downside. So you know this thing's going to be powerful as all hell because it has not one, <laughs> but two downsides. And one of the downsides just keeps getting worse. It says, creatures you control can't attack. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to you. That's brutal. The, the prevent all damage part is the part that is very, very hard. Yeah. And it actually plays on something about the format where people generally don't play land destruction in the format. So you might have a strip mine, and that's usually the only land destruction a lot of commander decks are going to have, maybe like a wasteland. So you put out Glacial Chasm, and it can basically buy you... If you have a way to keep it up, and I had a way to sack it, and a Crucible of Worlds to bring it back, and sacking lands is good for Titanium anyway, but I was thinking like in a Nekusar deck. Oh, yeah. How often in Nekusar are you like, put out Nekusar, put out Font of Mythos, put out one other thing. Now it's just like, can I survive? Before they kill me, because they're going to die naturally to card draw. And well, you're if I not, put, and you're not going to take it now because you can't be dealt damage, right? And yeah. so I'm just going to put out glacial chasm and be like, okay, guys, if you can't destroy this land, you can't touch me, yeah. and you just died all this Nekusar uh, card draw damage. Especially yeah. if you have like life from the loam or yeah. crucible worlds to be able to get that back. That's unbelievable. And, and plus, yeah. you know, you can always let it go. You don't have to play that upkeep. Let it go. Let. <laughs> did you, <laughs> It's a glacial chasm, also. too. It's That's very true. fitting, right? It's very frozen. Maybe we'll get Abby to sing that as well, because <laughs> she sounds way better. The only thing is you have to sack a land every time. Every time you play it. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. But I'm not worried about playing it many times. I think this card oh, yeah, is exactly. very, very good if you play it one time, and you just buy yourself three turns. It's amazing in Titania, yeah. though. Because how many like big, controly type decks just are like, I'm so close, and I just need to live for two more turns, and then I can yeah. kill everybody. Even like yep. Niv-Mizza or something. That yeah. You have me thinking, because I do have one of those. I, I should definitely throw out a Niv-Mizza. It's not an expensive card, so yep. Glacial Chasm. Something where you're re- requiring your general who could, who can do something else other than attack. Yep. Yeah. Do you have any favorite pet cards, Craig? Yeah, I have one actually that I was thinking that I'm I'm not sure if you guys put in uh, your review last time, but uh, grafted exoskeleton is something that I put oh, in yeah. almost all of my decks because the Such pump a for card. yeah it is. I mean, yeah exactly so We've been in about fact all night. it gives the creature plus two plus two, um, and then one thing that I really love about it this side feature love and hate is you know if somebody steals the creature that it's attached to because you know they're playing blue or whatever mm-hmm. i can then unattach my equipment and they have to sacrifice that card now right so it, it is kind of like a you know a steal prevention plan right. uh, with uh you know a super kind let me, of let kill. me read it really quick uh if you're not familiar grafted exoskeleton is a four mana cost artifact it is an equipment it says equipped creature gets plus 2 plus 2 and has infect infect is when a creature deals combat damage to other creatures, it does it in the form of negative one, negative one counters. And when it deals damage to players, it does it in the form of poison counters. Actually, it's not just combat damage. It's any damage. Oh, sorry. Any damage. You're mm-hmm. right. Uh, and then it says, whenever grafted exoskeleton becomes unattached from a permanent, sacrifice that permanent. And its equip cost is two. Mm-hmm. So you I can't can... think of a more Craig card, actually, than that. Yep. And especially because Craig likes graveyard strategies and... There is strategy yeah. to equipping this to someone for two and just sacking it. It's a yeah. sack outlet for two. Well, yep. unequipping it. Yeah. Unequipping it, yeah, yeah exactly. And putting it Which creature. I have used before. I mean, yeah. it's it's multi-versatile. And typically, my commanders are attacking for 10 damage or more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, so it's like, put know. that on there, kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, have an answer or you're dead. Right. Uh, my pet card is a card called Visions of Beyond. It's a one-drop blue instant from M12, and it says, draw a card. 
If a graveyard has 20 or more cards in it, draw three cards instead. If a graveyard. A graveyard, right. So remind you of a card called Ancestral Recall? Yeah. Yes. Remind you of a card that got banned recently in Modern uh, called uh, Treasure, Treasure Cruise? Cruise? Yeah. Yes. So it's a card that has major upside. Um, now, obviously, this fails the quadrant test in the early parts of the game because right. it's just a cantrip that doesn't do anything else. Um, I put this in my Shu Yun deck, actually, because yeah. your graveyard could have that much stuff in it if you're constantly putting stuff into it or and someone else's. And even in Shu Yun, if you just draw one card, mm-hmm. but you activate prowess, double strike something, that's still fine. Yeah, exactly. I mean, drawing three cards is just an upside, but yeah. just draw a card for one blue mana cantrip. Uh, yeah. Is, is really good in that deck. So, yeah. That's Not a, to mention, it's drawn by Therese Nielsen, who is one of my favorite magic yeah, artists. The artist by far. I am actually now considering putting this in Talrand because. Oh, gosh. A one man Why did I even mention it, Josh? You... Why did I even say it? Yeah. <laughs> now we have more to deal with. I don't with. know. I already, <laughs> see, I already said Talrand's my least favorite commander to see across don't the table. Don't tell him so about Swan Song. More... Do not tell him about Swan Song. I always you thought that Swan card was there, like. Right? Swan Song? Yeah, you gotta have that in there. I don't actually. It's the perfect it's like, card. What? It's it's full no, of No, because it gives it gives them. Who, why do you a care two, if they two, have Why do you care? You're making fifty two twos. They have one. Yeah, they but can I mean, one year dudes. Yeah, but Uh-oh. it's it only it's like a targeted counter, and I have it hard counters. It costs one blue mana. It's like Force of Will, but cheap. Like so, you would take, how many? Interesting thing about the Talrand deck: mana is never a, a problem. It's like true, it's always Draga. Yeah, and it's like you always have enough mana. All right, I'm tired of talking about Tower. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, on to Jack's next question. How do you deal with a play group where one person spends way more on cards than the others? This is a great question as well. This is a toughie. Um, Th- I don't think one of us does. We all just spend a lot. I think we all just spend <laughs> too much. But yeah. yeah, yeah, it's true. But this is a very real I- question. I've seen though. this happen though, yeah. um, especially in my early Magic days, where mm-hmm. I learned in high school when it was still beta. I and think the younger you are, the more likely you're going to run into this issue. Yeah, no, it happens. I think in middle in normal playgroups too, though. There's mm-hmm. usually yeah. like you know people have kids; they don't have unlimited funds to spend in Magic, and we don't right. either. Yeah. Um, and and there's this arms race that can occur. And I would I would encourage you that also- the arms race is the lazy way mm-hmm. for this to happen. It's it's pretty lazy. Um because the idea that like the expensive cards are just gonna win you games is false. Correct. I have decks especially multiplayer. Yeah, I have decks that I built for a hundred dollars, <coughs> and I have decks that I built for five hundred dollars. And honestly, some of the hundred dollar ones are better than some of the five hundred dollar ones. So yeah. this idea that like, you know, a twelve hundred dollar deck you know, and we all have decks that are in that price range um, or more is going to naturally be better than a $100 deck is totally false. Yes, right. because Infect decks are cheap. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Actually, a lot of cards that are also response cards to the Game Breakers, let's say. Let's say like a card like, I don't know, Go for the Throat. <laughs> yeah. That's a very good card that shuts down someone's very expensive creature card, you know? There's lots of answers for someone that that spends more to get more powerful things. And the other thing is, too, it's like you're playing in a group setting. It's very easy to hate out a player for playing in a way that you deem either oppressive to the table, and it could be they're always dropping a mana crypt on turn one, and they're just getting out so far ahead that it demands that they get taken back a notch. I think you can outplay money in Magic the Gathering in Commander. Well, you're going to have to spend something, right? They're spending right. money. You may have to spend time. Yeah, researching what cards 
Or, I mean, just team up against that person. That's true. I mean, <laughs> there is a self-policing. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, there's also, I would say, add more board wipes, you know, board, typically, or ways to get rid of their graveyard. Or, you know, yeah. find out what they're relying on with their money. Because, you know, if they're going to dump a bunch of money into a deck, they're going to have it for a while. So find a specific answer and maybe, you know, if you feel like punishing them, punish them. I don't know. Yeah. it's This is the one <laughs> format where this question, because, you know, in the, in the format that's so spiky like legacy or modern you can't have the second rate cards to beat you know your deck is going to have to have a very finely tuned power level but this is commander and i think this is the one of the reasons i like commander the most is because there's so much that isn't in your hands but you can still kind of control that space you know in between when you're playing but at the end of the day it's you know the more people you add to the game the more variance there is and money cannot decide a victor a lot of times in this game. I mean, just don't use it as an excuse. It's very yeah. lazy to say, oh, they've got the more expensive cards and that's they why really they're winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of a cheap excuse. It's a cop-out. You know, yeah. don't yeah. try and be like, okay, they've got expensive cards, but what can I find? There are always answers. Yeah. You know, there was a, a good friend of mine who, you know, used to beat me all the time and he had a big money mono red deck and I purposely built a white and blue deck and just played Glacier's and would like search it out and then play glaciers every time and just shut them out because they're like he literally all his mountains could <laughs> monster were, yeah and it, it was uh you know you just basically i don't know yeah turn well, their turn their mountains into planes i would say blood moon is a very efficient no. way that's not that Wait, how are you uh I don't mean, could you imagine that. if the person is Wait. like i spent all my money on Holy dual crap. lands you're like oh going back moon. to the one card we would ban blood moon yeah. Oh, I totally dropped the ball in that. I said a card I liked rather than a card I hated. <laughs> <laughs> That's me rewinding the Back entire in time. podcast. Wait, now you're going to be running like 40 minutes behind the rest of us. Josh is like, how is it? It's Josh Lee Kai. Craig, I'm like, well, this question, like, dang it. How do we mute him? He's so far behind now. <laughs> so this week on the podcast, we're going to be uh, answering <laughs> no! user uh, submitted questions. <laughs> All right, all right. Just kidding. All right, uh, one more, one more question from, from Jack, which yeah. is kind of related. Yes, definitely. Do you have any tips on being a magic player on a student's budget? Well, we talked about a really interesting way on the last episode with uh, the professor from Tolarian Community College. Right, um, Puka Trade. Yeah, is actually a really good way to sort of turn your collection that may be spread out. It may be like not as focused on exactly what you want and to. You know, it's basically virtually, it's trading over the internet. Mm -hmm. And so it's a way to get full value for your cards and turn those cards, you know, that you may not want into cards you do want. So you can focus your collection towards one deck or two decks or something like that. Yeah, your, what you consider a dollar rare or a 50 cent rare could be someone to be, could be gold to someone else. Yeah. I also would say, and this is, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of, well, in the Warcraft days, you were a big Warcraft player, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, in the Warcraft days, I actually became um, a big auction house trader. Oh man, there on was Warcraft, so and I was one of those Warcraft made. millionaires. You know, like I think when I stopped playing, I had like twelve or thirteen million gold. Very this fitting. is a long Very time fitting. ago, um, and you can learn the market, and Magic is like this too, mm-hmm. and that can be your trick. Like people are going to spend money on their cards. You can spend time to learn your market and learn where your edges are, and you can just slowly grow your collection by just sort of knowing like, oh, this card right now is likely to go up in price, you know, or it's trending up 
or you know listen to the brainstorm brewery pod- podcast our friend jason alt is one of the hosts there he was on one of our shows and and learn about the the market the the economy of magic and you can leverage that you know and your knowledge of that to you know trading up trading in value you could always also ask uh, alex kessler at kess wiley um who did a couple mad magics back in the day um and yeah may, which was another start something show. like that again um, which I mean, that kid is a phenomenal. I mean, he's right, like seventy to eighty percent of the time, which is high for a stocks trader, essentially. Yeah. So what you can do is like you're 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 going to have to give you know something towards it. You're going to have to you know the equity that you're giving. Somebody else is giving money. You can give time to it, mm-hmm. and and you can use that time to research and find out how the market works, and, and you can sort of eke out your edges there, and you can grow your collection that way. Yeah, for sure. Great questions. All right, on to our next questioner, and it's another person that we are familiar hey, with. Hey, I know this guy. It is Mr. Vincent T. Uh, at Vincent Trong. V- yeah, Vincent Trong. At V is for Vincent. I like that, too. It's got the name and a little flavor at the beginning. V is for Vincent. I thought it was for Victory, but... I thought it was for Vendetta, so... Ah. Uh, I thought We were was, all confused. I thought it was for Vincent. Yo, so, yeah. Well, Jimmy wasn't confused. I'm going back to Final <laughs> Fantasy VII days, though. I thought it was always for Vincent. All right, take it away, Abby. What commander decks are you planning on bringing to Grand Prix Vegas? Vincent, doesn't mean you're going to be there. Wait, Vincent, please are go you to trying GP to Vegas? get advanced inter- information so you can like start hating on our decks right now? Oh my gosh, Vincent plays at our LGS, by the way, so uh, he's a he's a buddy of ours. Um, I hope you're coming to GP Vegas. You better be now. Uh, I answered this on Twitter. The answer was all of them. Are you really bringing all your commander? Decks? I mean, they fit in one case, so why not? Craig, you're not bringing all yours because <laughs> no. you have 5,000. Yeah. You can't probably... carry them. Like, you would actually need to check another bag. <laughs> so, I have found out, though, that the uh, holiday gift boxes can fit 12 decks. So, you only need seven holiday gift boxes to carry all your decks. <laughs> so, I'll probably be bringing 12 decks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll probably bring eight or 10. It's a yep. good round number. But they among them all will definitely be, uh, what's his name? An infect uh, deck? Uh, probably not. Actually, uh, maybe I'll, I'll probably bring twenty-five percent of your deck. I'll bring one or two. Fine. You need to bring one because you're going to get mad at some point and just be right. like, "I want to win or at least kill someone." <laughs> well, I'm definitely bringing my two mono blue decks in place in case well, we play two-headed giant. Um, oh, and then uh, I want to be on his team. Then who's my yeah, graveyard? Right. Uh, Carador. Carador. How yeah. do you not remember Carador's name? Blank out. Sometimes. We know your decks better than you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because we've had to. Yeah. Face them. I'll probably bring like two two mean decks, like six, uh, like middle of the road yeah. decks. The Chromat deck for sure, and oh, then one super dirtly deck that's just like yeah. In case we get, you know, because uh, people come up at events like this and they want to play with us, and you know, I like to play a nice deck in that case because you never know, and I don't mind. Yeah, losing. you never know. You might be you might be playing against someone that could be famous, could have a lot of influence. Wh- who Jimmy Wong? No. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking like I was thinking like, some pro would sit at the table and you just wouldn't pros know. don't play commander. I know. I mean, we'll get to play got, BDM and uh, they're and pros in my book and Marshall. They're pros. They're, okay. They're pros at what they do. Okay. <laughs> well, then we're all pros. I mean, we get paid yeah, exactly. to do something. Well, Josh, I hope you play that nice friendly deck because I'm going all in. Whoa! <laughs> Where'd that mean voice come from? I don't know. I'm just Jeez. messing around. You got the Batman voice on me. <laughs> It was Jimmy the Red <laughs> launching into action. Whoa. Uh, yeah, great question. Yeah, I'm bringing all my decks, but that's only like six commander decks. So what I'd say, actually, it's funny because my decks are split into the same way. It's like two of them are mean, 
few of them are just you know more multiplayer, and then one's just really like, oh, I'm trying to exist as a duck. <laughs> oh, watch me do things. Please don't kill me. All right. Next up, we got a question from Elias at Inexplotch. I hope I said that right. Inexplotch. Inexplotch. How do you feel about Iona? I run her in my junk deck, but I've heard a lot of negative feedback about that one card. Um, Iona and Blood Moon are exist in this similar space for me. Now, I yeah, hate Blood true. Moon above all other cards, <laughs> but I'm not a big fan of Iona. I don't get mad if people play it, whatever, but it is kind what? of... What? You get more mad at Blood Moon than Iona? Yeah, because Iona doesn't actually stop you from doing anything. True. Most of my decks are like, like let's say, like I have five color decks. Like, okay, it turned off 20% of my deck. At least it didn't turn off my ability to kill Iona. Right. Now, if I'm playing a monocolor deck, yeah. again, I was playing the other night and some guy played Iona on me and I was like, okay, you. I mean, you win. I'm not mad, but like, yeah. was that like, okay, do you want to shuffle and play again? Like, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to sit here and wait until you kill me? But I can't cast a thing. I'm playing a monocolored deck. Like, right. it's, the game's over. It's yeah. fine. I mean, you're relying on your other players to to save you at that point, if yeah. there are yeah. any, uh, any other players. As a reminder, Iona is six and three white for nine total for a 7-7 seven, seven flying legendary angel. And as Iona, Shield of Emeria, enters the battlefield, choose a color. Your opponents can't cast spells of the chosen color. Now, this actually makes sense more to me now because I guess Blood Moon, you do have a chance. You still have basic lands. Iona is pretty brutal uh, in terms of shutting down the whole She's part of the color pie. Unbelievably Well, brutal. against a mono-colored deck, yeah, it's literally it's like brutal. you're done. Yeah. Um, Unless your Steel Hellkai can somehow save you. Yeah. I mean, you have to have Navinial's Disc, uh, yeah. something like that, but you also have to draw it. It's just, it's pretty brutal against a mono-colored deck. Even against a double dual color deck mm -hmm. it's really tough this mm -hmm. 50 percent of your deck is gone blood moon i hate worse because i have so many decks that just only maybe don't have a yeah. single not uh basic land or maybe only have two or three basic lands and so what blood moon comes down and literally like i can't cast anything and i have cards that'll kill enchantments but i can't cast them yeah because red's not going to do that for you yeah so that's that's the thing that really feels bad about blood moon yeah iona is just one of those cards that's like i don't i i, I don't play her i wouldn't play her because I think she's a little more fair because she does die to removal, creature removal, and there's a lot of that in every color. And she costs nine to get out. Yeah. I mean, when, I'm not going to lie. When I heard that they were going to print uh, possibly angels for this next... Uh, from the vaults. From the I vault doubt stack, that this will be in there. I, but my, it went through my head. Like, yeah. Wouldn't I, I that just don't be think nice? they want to encourage that type of gameplay. Yeah. Because it's... it's Again, I'm not mad, and it doesn't. It's fine. People play it, and I, and we've seen it, and it doesn't make me angry at all. You're saying mm -hmm. that like my girlfriend says it when she is mad. Yeah, and it's not. <laughs> fine. I mean, I'm. At, I actually don't. I, you know, it, it gets an eye roll. Like yeah. that's how I feel about it. I'm like, okay, you played Iona. Like that's great. Yeah. Like yeah, you, you win now. That's fine. Um, but I, it just doesn't. I, it doesn't promote a type of gameplay that feels very fun. Which is, it just like. You didn't have to do two or three things to, to lock somebody. You just mm. literally play one card, yeah. lock them. Okay. But yeah. if that card literally said, like, let's imagine you played a card and it said, target player dies. Right. That would like, suck. would that be a fun card? Absolutely not. People. And I think she's so <laughs> much more brutal than Avacyn. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Avacyn, Avacyn is already a super powerhouse. And to have something that's like, oh, God. 
I think the problem with Iona is also that when you play her, it's a card that bends the world of the game in a way that doesn't actually promote more gameplay, if that makes sense. Right. right? You're actually actively stopping someone from using the cards in their hand, and that is really oppressive from like a game design perspective as well. So that's why I think people have such a negative reaction to her, for sure. And the same goes for Blood Moon. Um, now, I think if you can do it, if you can play a card like this, but use it in a way that's not just meant to be straight oppressive, then great. But it's very hard, I think, to I find mean, that Iona, balance with Iona this card. Iona just does one thing. Like, yeah, there's not a way to play her that's different than the way she plays. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, I guess what you could do is if you're playing and there's a monocolored deck and a couple of other decks that aren't monocolored, mm-hmm. you could just purposely not point it at the monocolored guy because you're playing. Because be yeah. if you paint it, at, if you point it at the monocolor guy, who's it helping? You're saying you're playing the card that says target player dies. Yeah. You know, this is, you know, Iona is almost enough reason for me to put Strip Mine, Wasteland, Dust Bowl, and Crucible of Worlds all in all my decks. Because the the one recourse I have, and you guys have seen me do it. Sure. I think I did it to you once, Craig. No. Where yeah. you played Iona <laughs> yeah, targeting yeah. me. And I was like, well, I can't win now, but I can make sure you don't win. And I just started Strip Mining, Crucible Worlding you. It's like, this isn't going to make me win, but it's just yeah. like, and you were, you were actually crap and sacrificed Iona. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and it was like, yeah. and that's like, you can sort, there's a little tricks you might be able to do, <laughs> but I mean, that's pretty rare. You'd have to have that stuff. You'd have to draw it. You know, I just happen to be in that position, but True. at least I can strip mine you. At least yeah. I can dust bowl you, you know, at least I can wasteland you. Like that's enough reason almost to put those in the deck just in case somebody pulls out Iona or some crap like that. Yeah. doesn't work against Blood Moon though. Because oh, it turns your strip mine into a stupid mountain. Yeah, it's true. Oh, Blood Moon. <laughs> One of my favorite cards now just because Josh is, and that's our meta, is that card yeah. is still indexed because I know that Josh oh, yeah. is going to get a raise out of it. And you know what? It doesn't, but you know I'm going to just kamikaze you mindlessly as soon as you Yeah, I know. I've actually run into the kamikaze a few times. I'm just like, well, that You know it, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like, yeah. It's, it's actually more of a slow burn than Craig's just mill you to death in one turn, so I think it's a little more acceptable <laughs> to me. Um, our next question comes from Waffle Cone. Uh, I hope that's your real name. It's not, probably. And his Twitter is at WCPower9. So nice. You got Waffle Cone, Waffle Cone and Power 9. Power 9 in there. Wow. Or it could be Wizards Coast Power 9. Who knows? Who knows? I, th- I think it's probably Wizard Coast. <laughs> you know, his name's Waffle It's probably not Waffle How do you encourage deck building to a player that only plays one deck? Um, this is tough because, you know, it's tough, hard yeah. to make people like things that they don't like, you know? Or what I mean? something that they didn't build. Like, I've tried to do this before because I've tried to get people in before by, like, by having them play my deck and you know my, like one of right. my other decks and some you know that has worked at times but usually it doesn't um i think that works when your deck like if you gave him an infect deck and said this is infect so this is how you're going to play it and give him a like quick two sentence tutorial and then said go that can work but if the deck's complicated right then they don't get it they don't know every card they don't know what order to play the cards it's too complicated and then they won't it won't like light that little fire under them. That's like, this is fun. I want to build one of these on my own. Right. You know, I think there are just certain personality types too. Like some people just like to have 40 decks yeah. and some people really like to have one and well, they like to just, you know, it's more fun for them to go to the card shop and buy a $50 card that they're going to trade out for a $10 card or whatever. I'm just using money as a, it doesn't always have to be that way, but buy one card and slowly improve their one deck. And for me, I'll never do that. Like, there's so many cards where I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome in this deck. But for that, I could build a whole nother deck, and yeah. I'd rather have another one. Uh, the reason that I have 40 decks is because I actually have less than 30, 27. But 
So you, at one point, you had almost 40. I though. did. I had I had quite a few more. But uh, the reason that I do is because I have two unfortunate traits. One is that I cannot stop building decks. <laughs> I see, it's not an know, unfortunate trait. You yeah. know, it's You're like the you see a new, you know, a new card comes out, and it's like, oh, my God, I could turn that into this, and I have this card that I've never been able to use before, mm-hmm. but I've wanted to, and now right. it's perfect for it. And then my other trait is that I get so like nostalgically attached to those decks that are mine. That you, you know? never want to take I them apart. I built those. Yeah. Those are different from anything that's on you know tappedout.net. Yeah. Because I took all of them and I made, went through all of them and I was like, <laughs> no, the best way to make it is actually like this. Right. Yeah, so, I think so. If I guess the the question I would have for this question is why do you want your friend to build another deck? Is the one deck annoying you? The fact that they have one, right. can, the fact that a person only has one deck can really it can be bad for the play group, right? Because it just gets powered out past everyone else's, or it's get it gets built in a way that it just gets stale. Yeah, it gets stale as well. It can get it's boring true. for you. It's like you know, not only the deck you're playing matters, but the deck you're playing against matters, mm-hmm. and playing against the same deck all the time, even if you're switching yours, can get old. And, you know, yeah. in situations like this, I say just talk to the person. Yeah. Ask know? them and, and maybe see what, you know, why are they having any kind of trepidation about being a dick? Is it the cost? Yeah. You, know, you could talk. If- I'm, I, I guess I, you could sponsor people. Craig sponsored me into my first deck by just giving me a bunch of cards, and it helped so much because it was like, oh. Gave you some direction. Yeah, it gave me direction. It gave me a place to start out with. That's why I like the Commander pre-builds is because it just gives you a really great starting base. You know? I've done that with a few people, and actually I the one person that I did it with that I basically gave them their deck was Sam Kellett, and he uh, mm-hmm. wrote top decking for us, but he also was the one that I used to play one-on-one against a lot because he was my roommate and the you know i always wanted him to build another deck and he he, to to this day still hasn't but he's got one deck but what what he did start doing was start borrowing some of my decks and he'd be like oh i want to try out sigarda oh i want to try out you know kalia and you know now he loves playing kalia and he loves playing rafik and he loves you know using some of my decks because now he knows how to play them and he knows exactly what to go for that's a good suggestion, actually, is, you know, maybe they're, you're never going to get them to the point where they're... Ex- Not everybody's got that deck-building gene. Right. Some people just like to play. And so, you know, maybe through... You can get them comfortable with playing another one of your decks, and then they basically have two. They have one of yours and one of theirs. Especially yeah. if they've played against your deck a lot. Yeah, then they Now know they it know how it works and what co- what combinations can really go off. Yeah. All right. Wafflecone has a couple more questions. Yeah. On to the next one. I think we'll combine these two because they're, they're, it's kind of fun to maybe talk about them in All conjunction. Right. Abby can read them both. All right, here we go. If you could make any creature legendary, what one would it be? If you could change one thing about the format, what would it be? I want Mystic Monastery, Monastery Mystic, whatever that new guy. Or the Soulfire. Prowess. No, you know what? I want Soulfire Grandmaster. Well, yeah. that's just broken with, I ex- know. with the extra turn thing. But, yeah, but it's that's so no, crazy. Prophet of Crufix. Yeah, Prophet of Crufix. Oh, come on. Stop it. Prophet of Crufix. Like, Can we make Sarah no Ascendant really a legendary creature? Oh, my God, Sarah Ascendant. Sarah Ascendant would be a terrible general. All you do is Sarah Ascendant. awesome. You get a first turn every time. You could literally build a deck with just Sarah Ascendant and then white mana. Yeah, that's true. It's like the Ashling deck. Yeah, it's like the Ashling deck. But it's even better. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah. The Prophet of Crufix, though, would just be... So broken. So yeah. broken. So broken. It's broken as it is. It you know, is. maybe I want... You know you know what? I'm going to go crazy. I want Jeskai Barricade to be a legendary creature. What? Because it just comes in at flash speed. You can always just cast this crazy flash. So broken. It's thing. got flash. It's I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just like, I like it bouncing stuff. Maybe you build it... it 
You know, I feel like it would be something that's super built around me if I wanted to do a creature. Because all the other creatures that are legendary, pretty much, they do their thing. And the ones otherwise would just be broken. Like Prophet the Crucifix. Yeah. just be so broken. Yeah. Oh, well, if you could change anything about the format, like uh, Waffle Cone asks, what, what would you... I would change the first question and say you can't make Prophet the Crucifix your commander. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a ton of crap. <laughs> I would take Blood Moon out. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, ban list. Uh, yeah, know, I guess it's ban list. Let's um, see, what would I change about the format? I, I think I would up the amount of poison that you need to die because... No okay. way. So I... I Okay. Perfect, I perfect person at this argument. Yeah. I will, if I have to, I will prove this by keep by keep on playing the decks. It is you impossible. You will prove this by keep on playing the decks? Yeah, because it not is... By spe- not by speaking good English. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you you can't win with infect against four people like it has to be 10 you don't have Otherwise, to play infect the way you play it though sure it's true i mean but it's also Craig's like all in. you get <laughs> can't wait to go to vegas you but. get there's you get hated <laughs> out and it's you you get a target on your fit you know because because it's because infect is so scary now let's say yeah that infect you needed 15 infect counters to die in fact, uh, poison you'd, counters. First of all, you'd never be able to do it. The creatures are too small, unless you had grafted exoskeleton in some way for that not to die, because the creatures are so small, and then you have to have pumps, which are extra cards. So then yeah. you have to have card draw, and then you have to have consistent ways of getting those cards back. I'm telling you, it's I just impossible. think the format itself is not conducive to what Infect brings to the table, because the forfa- format is naturally slower. Mm-hmm. So what an infect player ends up doing in a multiplayer game is just taking out themselves and one other person. You know, infect you're gonna kill is a great way to sneak time. out somebody else's demise. Yeah, but one, the infect one deck, person. like you said, just can't defeat more than one deck usually. Maybe right. two, yeah. almost never three. And so, to me, it's just like I think that it would. I think it would surprise you. This happens in economics all the time, whereas it looks like a downside. But I think it would actually be an upside because you wouldn't be so scary. So you wouldn't automatically like what happened oh, the other night when you right. played your infect deck. As soon as you you played an infect guy and started hitting people, every single other player started attacking you. Right. That wouldn't happen if infect if poison wasn't quite as scary. If it was yeah. like okay, I can take a couple of hits. It's going to take him longer. Well, but in the a fact typi- that it's like a, literally one hit can kill me. True. In a typical it, game, it's you know it's uh, half. It's twice as powerful. But in EDH, it's four times as powerful. Yes. So that's what I'm saying is like if you just made it a little bit slower, it wouldn't be as scary. Then you could play it and the reaction would be different from the other players and it might actually get stronger mm-hmm. as far as a strategy that can win at a table of four or more. Maybe a little, it'll be weaker in a one-on-one game, but it's probably too strong in one-on-one. It's one possible, now. but I've played it in enough games. I've played them in enough games now where it's it's very apparent that there's that people people hate, hate it out. That's I what mean, I'm saying is like, but it's because it circumvents the natural order of how the game works now. Yeah. And if it's closer to, like I said, yeah. right now it's very easy for you to just in one hit kill somebody on turn six or seven. Like they don't know what's in your T- hand. Typically it is. You're going for yeah. a one hit kill. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So if they knew that like that's just a lot harder and they're going to at least get two hits, mm-hmm. then you're just less scary. They don't have to necessarily all team up on you right away. Right. They can wait until you hit them once and then do something you know, it's just, it's a big difference, I think. I'm not saying it would necessarily, like, fix it. I just, I, I do think it would be a little bit better. It would, I, I, I do agree, it would also be better for gameplay as well. Because obviously, you know, with Infect, you're getting somebody out very fast. And unless you're also taken out very fast, or even if you are, now two people are sitting out of, of the game that could still last another hour and a half. Yeah. 
and that and they didn't really, really get much of a game. They got yeah, only five or six turns exactly, which, and that can really suck. Which is another reason that you know I'm, yeah. I'm probably going to take apart some of the infect decks. Mine's going to be a weirder answer. I think I would the thing I would change, and it came about uh, someone tweeted me earlier today. I guess Mark Rosewater thinks that hybrid mana cost should count if you're playing like a monocolor deck, but you could play in a hybrid mana co- costed card. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that it shouldn't be exclusive. For instance, like Yosova Dragonclaw is a teamer card because it has all three of the colors in it. I think it'd be interesting not to just necessarily try the uh, try it out and see if it is something that would make or break the format or if it's something that is healthy for the format. But I also think it'd be kind of cool to change this about the format. If there was a way for players to be able to submit ideas for rulings or unbannings or bannings, to like the collective the rules council, the rules council, yeah, in a way that the community could inform you know, how the game is played a little bit because it is such a group game. I, I think you like. could do that now. I mean, you got it's the true. Twitter for Sheldon Minery or anybody else. You could do it. I, I don't know that those guys have the time to be sifting through like thousands and thousands of no, people of course giving not. them suggestions. So I don't know. I want to call out uh, AJ Adams uh, at AJolt151 because he is the one that... Uh, Posted the Mark Rosewater question. I want to make sure he's still going to get his prize, um, even though we're folding it into this. Uh, His question, Abby, you can read it. Do you agree with Mark Rosewater that hybrid costs should be allowed in a deck that goes outside the commander's identity? Yeah, what you alluded to is that a hybrid mana symbol, so let's say a hybrid Mm black-white, you have to be playing both those colors in your deck to allow a card that has a hybrid mana symbol in it. Right. you can't only have one of them. Unless and it's extort. It's in the rules text. Yeah, that's a, that's it's the, a reminder text. Yeah, which reminder is text, a right? weird yeah. rule, which I think, you know, earlier in the year they did the whole, you know, who can be a commander and who can't, and they unbanned Kaku- or they unbanned Kaku- shown, yeah. yeah, a couple others, and they banned a couple others. But I think in the same thing, you know, with the uh, hybrid mana for extort being excused from this, I've always wanted it to be that way, where you can use a hybrid mana symbol yeah. in a monocolored or something off-colored. You know, when I found out that uh, the Garrick that's the green-black one, he was perfect for a deck that I had that was playing green because green's in his casting cost, but because he flips over to black, I wasn't able to put him in. Yeah, Um, I think, you know, the way the Rules Committee has explained this, and I actually agree with the Rules Committee here, mm. which is that the format is about making you make choices. You know, that's what the singleton thing is. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not trying to help you obtain consistency. They actually don't want as much consistency. So they're not going to create rules that help you become more consistent or that help you do things outside of your color pie. You know, that's the problem with hybrid mana is like if you're in red and you can use a hybrid blue red card, then you have access to blue kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and and the fact is that that makes mono red way more viable or it makes red white way more viable you know because you have access to stuff you wouldn't have access to and the way the rules committee sees it is that they want you to have to make those choices if you're playing blue red then you have to be willing to take the downside of that and to be able to mitigate that downside so much more with hybrid symbols i think i actually agree i just i just think it, it'll make the format sort of more vanilla Right. I'm interested just to see what happens because if something like crazy happens, because that just kind of sparks my imagination. Like if someone did something that was so wild and it was like, okay, wow, that's why we did it because the, this color combination being able to use freely, like this card is half green, for example, like, but that is the reason because it was designed into that color space actually messes up some stuff. That's kind of what I want to see. So maybe I just my- feel like, don't you feel like, like infinite combos right. are just such a problem for our format? They're, they're, and I'm not against them, and I don't mind. I go infinite sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes on accident, you go infinite. Like everybody does it. 
Um, it's not that this big deal. It's just that in general, infinite combos aren't great for the format. Like, yeah, they're so, just not productive. I don't so think. doing that is going to create more of them, not less of them. Do sure. we really want to make a rules change that opens the door to more infinite combos? I mean, I feel I feel like if we could, we would take more of them out. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, I'm okay with them. I mean, the Johnny in me wants it to be like that because I want to see more stuff happen. But I do understand why you can't really. There's like, already so really much stuff that can happen. To, yeah. yeah. But if there is one thing to be gained, though, I mean, I guess if you guys do have ideas, you know, you can be vocal about it on Twitter and you can actually talk to the people that make the rules of the game and they can give you what they feel about it. So. And if they hear from enough people, they might change it. I mean, yeah. if they just or hear they might it at least the very least just bring it up in one of their meetings and be like, "Hey, let's check this out," because or, that's what they do. You know, Shell, Shell, and those guys. I think they do a really good job keeping on top of the game, and they are active players as well. Or create your own your own variation of it. We have a group of players over here who uh, created their own version of EDH. They they didn't like the way that it was played, so they only allow cards that had ever been able to be foiled. Oh right, uh, in yeah. their in their decks. Um, and also, you know, we were playing around at one point with uh, a Cobra Commander idea where you can play these off-colored cards and things like that in a Commander deck, you know, as well as we were talking about possibly even including, like, Power 9 and stupid stuff like that. But, um, you know, <laughs> you create your own variation. You know, as long as your playgroup is cool with it, you know, we'd love to hear what you guys have done that's uh, caused interesting games to happen. Yes, definitely. All right, well, that wraps it up for this week's episode. Thank you all for sending in your questions. Now, remember, if you guys heard your name mentioned or your your Twitter name mentioned, send us an email, commandcast at rocketjump.com, confirming that with a mailing address, and you're going to have some sweet, sweet prizes coming your way. All right, guys, we'll do part two of all the rest of the questions uh, next week, so be sure to tune in. Yep, we'll talk to you guys soon. And, Craig, thanks for joining us on this first part. Thank you, guys. All right, see you guys soon. Peace. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. 
And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.